From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, my uh, my regular uh, technical producer Tim Spreen is off uh, this week. He's up in Ottawa celebrating uh, a friend's wedding nuptials, I guess. And in his stead, uh, behind the board, is James Dooley. Welcome, James. How often people say "hang down your head"? Do you get that a lot? More often than you realize. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to go there. You can't avoid it. James Dooley. That's a great name. Speaking of conspiracies, I mean, that's, you know, I took her to the mountain. I stabbed her with my knife. It's a dark song. Every secretary in the world growing up always said, oh, hang down your head. And then when I heard the song when I was about 12 years old, I realized it's dark. That's true. And my, and my, uh, my, uh, my lovely bride, the mighty Aphrodite, uh, she, she remembers all the, the, the songs that she was uh, taught in grade school. And she learned that when she was, as you say, about 12 years old, 10, 11 years old. It's a dark song a, for a kid. It's a very dark song. And based on a true story, if you know the, the history of that. Uh, mm. uh, yeah. Alrighty then. Well, welcome aboard, James. Good to have you here. Thanks very much. We, uh, we're going to talk uh, over the next 45 minutes or an hour about a pretty interesting chapter in uh, U.S. history, and it's going on right now. I mean, unless you've been under a rock <laughs> and haven't heard about uh, Edward Snowden uh, and what's been going on with this whole spy scandal. And uh, it's, it's ongoing, this story, uh, because as Ed, uh, Edward Snowden uh, is seeking asylum, first in uh, Hong Kong and now Russia, uh, after supposedly, uh, you know, revealing... Not supposedly, he absolutely revealed uh, that uh, the National Security uh, Agency has been snooping uh, on all of us, really, anyone who's ever made a, a telephone call to the United States to a friend or a colleague down there. Uh, there's a permanent record of that. And uh, I guess he felt it was his moral duty as a, uh, as a contracted employee there to let us know, to let us all know what the National Security Agency and the CIA has been up to. And uh, now, of course, he's um, seeking asylum, first in Hong Kong, then in Russia. Now we really don't know where he is. Is he on his, his way to Ecuador? We've heard Iceland. Uh, well, we're going to get the straight goods now. Uh, Joel Skousen joins us from time to time on the program. He's a political scientist by training, specializing in the philosophy of law and constitutional theory. He's also a designer of high-security residences and retreats. He's designed self-sufficient and high-security homes throughout North America and has cons consulted in Central America as well. He was raised in Oregon, later served as a fighter pilot for the U.S. Marine Corps during the Vietnam War. And uh, now uh, he has uh, busied himself publishing a newsletter entitled The World Affairs Brief and served as a senior editor of Cog uh, Cogitations, a quarterly journal on law and government. The World Affairs Brief is now back in publication and is available as a weekly email newsletter. Joel Skousen, how are you? I'm just fine, Richard. It's good to be with you again. Uh, Joel, let's pretend for a moment that there may be some listeners out there who've been, uh, I don't know, hidden away in a cave somewhere for the last three weeks and aren't familiar with what we'll call the Edward Snowden affair. Uh, give us a thumbnail sketch of, or a timeline, if you will, of what happened and who this Edward Snowden individual is. Well, Edward Snowden was a uh, contractor working for Booz Allen Hamilton, which 
basically gets about 90% of its revenue from doing top-secret work for the government. He came from a background of working for, for the CIA. They actually trained him to do uh, IT management. And in that position, you know, when you train somebody to basically oversee the passwords and who gets into the system. Those people, too, can get into the system. He saw more than what he bargained for, didn't like what he was seeing, decided to, at some point, turn whistleblower. He left the CIA, went to work for Booz Hamilton, um, Booz Allen Hamilton, the subcontractor, specifically trying to get the goods on government wiretapping. He did uh, secreted out a lot of... Uh, Proof. In other words, we've known for many years that the government is spying on everything, including emails and cell phones. But he's the only one to come out with documents that prove it. He's revealed about half of what he's got now. The government is desperately trying to get a hold of him to stop the continual leaks of these uh, ultra-top-secret programs. Now, he, he contacted uh, Glenn Grenwald at the, uh, the Guardian uh, newspaper in London, and they published a series of, I guess, exposés based on... Snowden's disclosures um, earlier in, in June, and they talked about a variety of, of classified intelligence programs, including the interception of U.S. and European telephone metadata and the PRISM and Tempora Internet Surveillance Programs. Can you tell us what PRISM and Tempora Internet Surveillance Programs entail? Well, PRISM refers to the physical device which they attach to fiber optics uh, uh, transfer systems, it's like a, a real prism. You put it up to light and it splits the light into two or more, actually a full rainbow spectrum. But in this kind of a prism, what they do is split the signal coming down a fiber optic line and essentially it just duplicates it, meaning half the signal goes one way, they're identical halves. And so the one goes on its way and the other is recorded by the NSA. So in essence, it's physical devices, more complex than what I explained, of course, that duplicate everything that comes down fiber optic lines in a digital format, and uh, and they're recording it all. And they have, of course, sophisticated computers that uh, then search for keywords and algorithms, which uh, uh, you know separates that data into dissidents, into ter- uh, uh, terrorist potential things, and they they follow up on that. And of course, the worst thing is that they are they're classifying data and conversations. Uh, according to those that are opposed to government. And so we view this with great concern in the United States and Canada because it indicates that uh, they're preparing to, uh, in essence, take down dissidents at some point. So theoretically, or not even theoretically, this telephone conversation that you and I are having right now uh, would be uh, recorded and filed away somewhere, not necessarily listened to, unless what we said a, a particular a key word, or how would how would they determine? I say they, the intelligence apparatus. How would they determine which phone calls that they would decide to go back in, retrieve, and and maybe transcribe? Well, what they do, and this is very interesting, it's it's quite sophisticated. They have a tiered view of of uh, keywords. In other words, they they will record everything. They don't ever erase anything unless they've actually gone through and sifted through it and decided this isn't of any worth. But they don't do away with any information that they collect. That's why they need you know, all these data storage centers like the Utah Storage Center that's opening soon and the San Antonio one. And there's probably three or four others that are being built in secret that we don't know about at the point. But they don't just 
let this data sit. They're continually sifting it. They take everybody who has anything of a constitutional right-wing perspective. That would be you. They start, <laughs> that's right. And they start splitting that apart into the people who are concerned about New World Order. They, they take the ones that are concerned about the Constitution. They're not too dangerous in and of themselves. They take those of those who's concerned about conspiracy. 9-11 is a very key word. Anybody who believes in 9-11 is definitely going to go in an anti-government category because they have been influenced by that correct truth that there is tremendous government relationship there. And they're, they're tracking even people's discussions about Snowden, who's on what side. They have algorithms that are capable of deciding what side of the issue that you're on. And so they then cross-reference all of those databases and start to put together, and each of those databases has both telephone numbers and who they belong to attached to them so that they can search and put together, all right, Joel Skousen's, you know, in this category, he's had all these telephone calls, and they're all in this pattern, but we've definitely got him on a list. Richard Syrett runs a conspiracy show, and he's on that same list, and uh, they're building lists, and uh, they're continuing to massage the data. They don't need to listen to the material unless they really decide to go to court. They don't need, other than the fact, to know who their enemies are, and we are the enemy of the tyranny state. So Snowden is, Snowden is charged with theft of government property, unauthorized communication of national defense information, and willful communication of classified intelligence to an unauthorized person. The unauthorized uh, person or persons, I, could, I guess, should be the world, right? The, 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 uh, the, the public. Well, they're also accusing him of espionage, which technically is not true, because they haven't proven that he's actually spied on behalf of anyone else other than the fact that they, the government considers we are an enemy of the government. <laughs> so spying on behalf of the American citizens is considered a crime in, uh, in a tyrannical government sense. In other words, the technical definition of espionage is relaying sensitive government information, security uh, information, to the enemy. But since he's relaying that information to the United States citizenry, that doesn't fall under the, uh, the definition of espionage. That's, I guess, That's a, right. what you would call a That's moral imperative. That's right. That's a moral imperative, in my view, and that's why they'll have to get him, if they do get him on uh, any of the technical clauses. I think that he would be very foolish if he follows his father's advice, who came out this week and said, these are the conditions I suspect that my son would come back and face trial, and if he suspects that any government would promise and, and abide by those promises, uh, and give him a fair trial, he'd be a fool. Joel Skousen is with us, the editor and publisher of World Affairs Brief, and we'll tell you how you can subscribe in just a few moments. But back to Snowden. Uh, last we heard, he was in uh, the, um, the, uh, the, Ru the Russian airport, uh, hoping, I guess, to, to jump on a plane, perhaps to Ecuador. Uh, what, what's the latest on his whereabouts? Well, the latest is that no one's seen him at any of those transfers except when the first day that he arrived, and that was the only person who saw him was a person who was, uh, he was investigating the possibility of renting one of the capsule hotels. These are small train-like compartments uh, the size of about a 10 by 10 cubicle that you can rent there in a very modern uh, transit portion of the airport. But the, uh, it's an open portion. All of the uh, reporters are milling around. None of them have ever seen him. There's only one person who claims that they have seen him, and that's the person who was renting out these spaces. And he did not rent one, she said. He went away. 
And so he hasn't been seen. I can derive nothing from that other than the fact that he has been spirited away already to another country or he's in Russian hands uh, for safekeeping to keep him away from any kidnapping attempt by the U.S. When he was in Hong Kong and, and now supposedly uh, in, in Russia, uh, governments there seem to be taking great delight, almost using Snowden as a battering ram against the United States. Explain the thinking there. Well, you know, the United States has made the presumption of we are the protector of, of justice, of democracy for many years, and now the world is literally outraged that the United States has been spying on them all, including their allies. Germany is afire with this. Uh, it's, it's just a great affront. Of course, the, the U.S. has been accusing China of hacking in and spying, and yet Snowden has revealed documents to the Chinese to show that the United States has been hacking and uh, and spying on China. And so China's just having a heyday saying, <laughs> you know, that's like the pot calling the kettle black. You're clean up your own house before you come and criticize us about human rights and, uh, and, and hacking and espionage. All right, Joe, we'll uh, take a time out, come back and continue to talk about Edward Snowden and the U.S. spying scandal right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. According to a Gallup poll conducted June 10th and 11th, 2013, 44% of Americans thought it was right for Edward Snowden to share the information with the press, while 42% thought it was wrong. A USA Today Pew Research poll conducted June 12th and 16th found that 49% thought the release of information served the public interest, while 44% thought it harmed it. The same poll found 54% who felt a criminal case should be brought against Snowden, while 38% thought a criminal case should not be brought. I'll give you one more poll, poll here. Washington, uh, the Washington Post, ABC News poll, condu conducted June 12th to the 16th, said 43%. Uh, showed 43% said Snowden should be charged with a crime while 48% said he should not be. So as you can see, uh, this Snowden affair has really divided the nation. Hours after Snowden revealed his identity, a We the People petition was posted on the White House website asking for a full, free, and absolute pardon for any crimes uh, he may have committed or may uh committed related to blowing the whistle on secret NSA surveillance programs. The petition attained 100,000 signatures within two weeks. Public commentary about Snowden's leaks has been mixed. Former Vice President Dick Cheney called Snowden a traitor. Hardly a surprise there. While former member of Congress and libertarian icon Ron Paul said Americans should be thankful for people like Snowden, who he said had done a great service to the American people by exposing the truth about what our government is doing in secret. Journalist Glenn Greenwald, who received the documents, he of the, uh, the Guardian newspaper in London, praised Snowden, who he said had done a service by revealing the surveillance on the American public. Amy Davidson, writing in The New Yorker, said Snowden is the reason our country has, in the last week, been having a conversation on privacy and the limits of domestic surveillance. That was overdue, 
and one wishes it had been prompted by self-examination on the part of the Obama administration or real oversight by Congress. Again, that's Amy Davidson writing in the New Yorker. John uh, David, or sorry, John Cassidy, also of the New Yorker, called Snowden a hero and said that in revealing the colossal scale of the U.S. government's eavesdropping on America or on Americans and other people around the world, Edward Snowden has performed a great public service that more than outweighs any breach of trust he may have committed. CNN columnist Douglas Rushkoff also called Snowden's leak an act of heroism. He's also been praised by some political commentators for exposing secret government surveillance to the public, among them Chris Hedges and Michael Moore. I guess those would be the, the more left-leaning uh, commentators. And then on the right, you have people like Glenn Beck, Matt Drudge, Alex Jones, Michael Savage, again, praising the actions of Edward Snowden. Other commentators have been more critical of his methods and motivations. Some expressed out, uh, particular concern about his seeking refuge in Hong Kong. For instance, New York Times columnist David Brooks accused Snowden of betraying the Constitution stating the founders did not create the United States so that some solitary 29-year-old could make unilateral decisions about what should be exposed. In response, Amy Davidson called Brooks' perspective odd because the founding fathers of the United States created the Constitution to allow a solitary voice to be heard despite any power structures, and they would not want a 29-year-old to feel so overcome with gratitude uh, for his social betters, so humbled that they had noticed him that he would be silent. Conservative Republican political commentator and blogger Eric Erickson criticized Snowden for fleeing to the communists. And Jeffrey Tubin of the New Yorker, while stating that the news leaks are normal and even indispensable in a society with a free press, characterized Snowden's approach as reckless. We are back with Joel Skousen, the editor and publisher of World Affairs Brief. Now, before we get back to the Snowden affair and his uh, uh, his seeking asylum in uh, various locations, uh, first, let us know how we can subscribe to World Affairs Brief. Well, the World Affairs Brief is a has a modest subscription price to support my work. It's showcased on my website, worldaffairsbrief.com, and I allow people to request a free sample issue by emailing me at editor at worldaffairsbrief.com. All right. Now, we uh, we know that Snowden first went to uh, to Hong Kong. Uh, the United States asked uh, China to extradite. Uh, they don't have an extradition treaty, so they refused. Next, uh, we heard, was that uh, Snowden uh, turned up in uh, the transfer area in the, uh, the airport, I guess, in Moscow. Uh, they've, now Putin has been very vocal that he has no intention of uh, extraditing to the United States. So what's next for Snowden? Where does he go? Where do you think he'll end up? Well, he had intended to go originally to uh, either Iceland or Ecuador. And Ecuador loomed large as a potential because, or Venezuela, because both of them have very anti-U.S. Marxist presidents, uh, President Correa in uh, Ecuador has been very vocal in his uh, criticism of the United States over the years, and that looked like a likely spot. But he is being tutored by WikiLeaks, who has a lot of experience running from uh, the United States Secret Services. They currently have uh, asylum status 
in uh, the London Embassy of Ecuador, where Julian Assange is there. WikiLeaks itself has asylum in Iceland, which is providing some uh, protection. But it's only a partial protection. You've got to remember the United States has covert black operations teams and assassins and kidnap teams. They can snatch anyone from almost anywhere, especially in Latin America, where you can buy your way through anything. And I suspect they could do so in a small city-state like Iceland if they wanted to. And so Snowden was was particularly savvy about going into the Chinese realm because even though it's in Hong Kong, the Chinese do control Hong Kong. He had to leave there, though, because the U.S. does have the capability of snatching people in Hong Kong. And that's why he went to Russia. Russia guaranteed him protection while he was seeking asylum. Uh, that's the only reason you'd go the wrong direction if you're heading for Venezuela. It's the opposite direction to go to Moscow to get there. Uh, and, in fact, he even played a trick on the all the journalists who were going to try to interview him on the flight going to Havana and then to Venezuela or Ecuador, booking a flight on a plane. All the journalists rushed to book a flight, and then he didn't show up. And the door closes, and all of a sudden these people are shipped off to Havana, Cuba, and with no way to get off the plane. So they're a little bit frustrated now about trying to find uh, Snowden. But the, the, the essence of the situation is this. Ecuador, by law, internally, cannot give asylum to anyone unless they're actually on Ecuadorian territory, and that includes any embassy that Ecuador has. So he doesn't qualify. Also, um, the United States got on the telephone with Correa uh, a couple of days ago, and whatever they said to him... Uh, we're now getting feedback from Correa that he's not probably going to go through with asylum. He's reconsidering. He's showing he's waffling. Trade I sanctions, think, perhaps? A threat of trade sanctions? Well, that's already been in the in the works. In fact, Ecuador voted to just simply do away with trade sanctions so that would not be a, uh, uh, a criteria of threat that they could use on him. So I think they use something else. And frankly, they can get on the phone with any president and say, listen, you know, you're not safe. We can take anybody out unless they're maybe in Russia and China that we want to. And, and Korea, I think, had the fear of the, the CIA put into him. And so I don't think he's going to be going to uh, to Ecuador. Uh, Venezuela is another possibility, but the U.S. has a lot of black operations capability in Venezuela as well. Anywhere in the Caribbean. Iceland, you know, it's just too small to say it has no army. It has just a minor police force. The CIA could take him out any time they wanted to in, uh, and, and remove him. So, you know, I think there's a better than average chance he's going to end up staying in Russia. And the reason I say that is the first place I can tell you the Russians have him in productive custody already, and he's not at the transit airport. Uh, because there's no place to live there day in and day out except those capsule hotels, and he's not there. No one's seen him. He's also being accompanied by Sarah Harrison, Britain, uh, the attorney for WikiLeaks, and, uh, you know, that's two people they're having to house there. WikiLeaks seem to know exactly where he is, and so it appears that the Russians are playing games with uh, WikiLeaks. Everybody's having a heyday making the U.S. look like a fool, demanding, threatening, cajoling, and everyone thumbing their nose at him and saying, you know, you you made this bed for yourself. You're going to have to sleep in it. We're not going to help you. And now, you and I have talked uh, before about Vladimir Putin, and, uh, you know, he is certainly no angel. I, uh, one of the reasons that I'm not a Putin fan, but I'm glad that, uh, we, that, there, that Russia is able to 
um, assume the role of this countervailing force, uh, particularly on the, the geopolitical scene uh, in places like uh, you know Syria and so forth. Uh, but is there any danger? Uh, um, do you do you foresee where you have someone with sensitive information like Snowden, um, basically in the in the clutches of a Vladimir Putin? Well. Let's look at the, the actual, I mean, uh, obviously the U.S. doesn't want Snowden to know or to tell Russia how much we're able to penetrate them. And it is total. Uh, we have a great deal of ability to penetrate uh, into Russia and to decipher all of their codes, and Snowden's going to know that as well as Russia or as well as China. But we don't, we have very limited sources in terms of real-life spies, we do have some. You know, all of your embassy uh, diplomatic employees in Moscow are uh, work also for the CIA, and the, the Russians know that. They know that all of our all of their people in the United States are spies. I mean, that's no secret. Exactly who's who and who they have in the business field and who are the Russian spies. If Snowden has any of that information, that could be very damaging to our people. I do not believe that Snowden would give up that. He seems to have a good conscience. He understands what would be damaging to people. He has no intention of betraying anybody in the United States. I wouldn't doubt that he might not hesitate to uh, tell them some open things that, um, in terms of how much capability. And certainly if he stays in Russia, he's going to be expected to tell the Russians about the spying. And I might say this about Snowden. As a libertarian, he's a little bit naive about the fact that Russia and China are ultimate threats to the West and the United States. Um, and so he does not realize, he seems to be a believer that they are, had gone through a revolution, the, the, the phony fall of the Soviet Union, he probably believes is real. And so he's, he does have this misplaced confidence that China and Russia offer some protection for free speech, and they do not. Do you think he's a hero? I think... I think he's a courageous person um, that uh, was willing to blow the whistle. Um, I'm not sure I would lead it to hero status, but uh, I certainly admire when someone's willing to blow the whistle on illegal, patently illegal actions of spying, not only worldwide but domestically, which is clearly against the Constitution. So I'm in favor of, of Snowden's uh, ultimate escape to safety. Joel Skousen is the editor and publisher of World Affairs Brief here on The Conspiracy Show. We're talking about the Snowden Affair. Uh, it has been speculated, and I'm, and I'm sure you followed this trail as well, uh, people that, uh, researchers and, and, and so forth, that have claimed that Snowden is, I don't know what you would call him, a, a double agent or a plant. Uh, and I've never been able to figure out, well, to what end. Uh, you know, why would, why would they want someone to purposely divulge this information, to leak this information? But have you been following that sort of that, that line of thinking and what are your thoughts if so? I have. The major proponent of that theory is John Rappaport, who's a Canadian, and, uh, he has said that he thinks that this is, uh, the whole story is fabricated, that Snowden is not a whistleblower, that he's working for the CIA still to embarrass the, the NSA. Now, Rappaport is, is basing this on old information that used to be in the United States where there was infighting between the white sides of the NSA, the OSI, or the uh, follow, uh, which became the CIA, the, the 
ONI and, you know, the DNI. There's all kinds of intelligence agencies, Army, Navy, Air Force, et cetera, and they have this infighting relationship with the CIA. But most of that is done on the white side. There is a dark side for every one of these agencies, and they are a monolithic block. They do not attack one another. They do not cut, undercut their territory because they're run by a central hierarchy. Uh, and that's what's important to understand. So Rappaport's rationale for this is CIA is trying to undercut the NSA is absolutely untrue, would never be allowed by the powers that be. All right, Joel, we'll, we'll step away again. We'll come back and continue to talk about the Snowden affair and the U.S. spying scandal right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Joel Skousen stays with us as we continue to talk about the Snowden affair. Uh, Joel, we were talking about uh, John Rappaport's uh, um, recent article in which he uh, speculated that Snowden may in fact be uh, be, maybe being used by the CIA to embarrass the National Security Agency, and the thinking is that there's all this among the alphabet intelligence groups. There is this infighting, and you're uh, sort of disabusing of this of this notion, and you wanted to uh, to, to continue uh, on with that line of thinking. Well, basically, John's thinking is, and I might say in, in criticizing John's, uh, I'm generally respectful of his point of view on, on many different subjects, but I tend to disagree here. He basically has this view that the NSA is this all-powerful spying agency that sees and knows all, and therefore there's no way that John or that uh, Edward Snowden could have escaped or been critical or set himself up and collected all this without them knowing it, that uh, he wouldn't have had access to this. And if he did have access, that they made it easier for him to get access, planted him with information so that he would be used as a disinformation source to Russia and China, who would eventually be the recipients of this disinformation. But let me counter some of those. First of all, the notion that he, you know, high school dropout and that he's too good to be true because he suddenly got this high position with Booz Allen Hamilton of $200,000 a year. You just don't make that kind of leap. But you do, in my opinion, if the CIA takes a hold and says, all right, we see this guy's got some innate abilities to do it. Let's train him. And he becomes in-house trainee, which is apparently what happened. And in terms of access, while it's true that no single analyst has the kind of access that Snowden does, you've got to remember that he claims, at least, that he his purpose in the CIA and in Booz Allen was IT control of um, the firewalls. If you control the firewalls, then you can let yourself in. And so he could have seen everything that's available in that uh, organization if he was one of those people... In, the, in control of the firewall situation. Now, the last argument I have about the fact that the CO, uh, CIA would probably, if anybody, know where he is and be able to track everything that he goes and says and does in combination with the CIA. While that may be true, their ability to do anything about it 
is a completely different thing that John Rappaport does not discuss. In other words, if you decide you're going to take somebody out, if you're going to go and capture him, once he's become public and he's got this safety net built around him, then you're going to have a lot of explaining to do. The biggest thing that the U.S. is facing about this situation is the, the appearance of a thug, the appearance of a bully towards someone who is innocently only trying to alert the world, and the world is very sympathetic to what he's alerting them to, of illegal spying worldwide by this agency. And so their ability to grab him or use excessive force is limited unless they want to deal with the, uh, you know, the fallout. Well, let's talk about the fallout. We'll take another time out here, Joel. When we come back, we'll talk about the fallout because uh, obviously PRISM, uh, this system is not just being used to monitor phone calls within the United States, as you alluded to earlier. Uh, The United States' European allies are also caught up in this, and we'll we'll talk about what the reaction has been around the world uh, to the Snowden affair. Back with more of my conversation with Joel Skousen, publisher of World Affairs Briefs. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Joel Skousen stays with us for a few moments yet, the editor, publisher of World Affairs Brief. Uh, Again, quickly, Joel, how do people subscribe? Um, They go to my website, worldaffairsbrief.com, and there's a big subscribe button there. But as it points out in the uh, synopsis of the current brief, people can request a free sample copy by emailing the editor of worldaffairsbrief.com. So editor at worldaffairsbrief.com for a free sample issue. It's a great publication. I really uh, encourage people to to subscribe. You're going to get information there you don't get anywhere else, and which is why we uh, we enjoy having Joel Skousen on the program. Joel, it's interesting that uh, uh, President Obama was uh, speaking at the uh, Brandenburg Gates, of course, where uh, President Reagan made his famous uh, Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall speech, and uh, a generation earlier, of course, Kennedy's Ich bin ein Berliner speech. Uh, and yet, uh, we had uh, uh, Obama talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the need to combat global uh, global uh, warming and so forth, uh, ignoring the elephant in the room, and that is that uh, the Germans and much of the EU uh, is totally uh, uh, ticked off at the United States because of this, this this Snowden revelation that the United States is spying not only on its enemies but also on its supposed allies. Well, and it's worse than that because they're livid with their own government. German Interior Minister Hans-Peter Friedrich was basically defending the NSA and saying, you know, criticizing is not how you treat your friends. And uh, Der Spiegel, the, the Times Mirror of Germany, came out and said, you know, the American Union, or European Union must protect the continent from America's reach for omnipotence. We are being watched all the time and everywhere, and it is the Americans that are doing the watching. And so they're very, very much upset. The government has been in bed with the NSA for years, not only in terms of extraordinary rendition, terror, and torture, and secret prisons, uh, but uh, as uh, uh, Mr. Madsen, who was quoted in The Guardian uh, yesterday, and they took it down today, his article said there's six European countries, the Netherlands, Belgium, uh, Italy, France, and Germany, and uh, and Denmark that were completely complicit with NSA spying in Europe. And so uh, this is a real big thing. There's a black mark upon the U.S. There's an ugly American 
feeling growing about the government. Not the people are clearly distinguished between Americans who are as victimized as this as they are, but the government, our government's looking more like the bully of the world. If uh, if the German uh, government is perceived as you know uh, cozying up to uh, the Obama administration, uh, could this have some sort of fallout in the uh, the upcoming elections in Germany, which of course are pivotal? I mean, you have an anti uh, European Union party uh, that's going to be on the ballot. Uh, could this perhaps have even you know far-reaching unex- unintended consequences? I mean, perhaps even uh, the the unraveling of the EU. Well, you know, I've I've long felt that if there was a tipping point that could turn people, it would be the knowledge that our government was totally aggressive, a lying government that you couldn't ever trust it, saying and it was spying on everybody. It should enrage people. That has not been the case in America, sadly enough. People are taking this in stride. They're believing all the assurances. The government is totally unrepentant, relying upon this phony war on terror to justify this, and people seem to be buying it. I'm very, very disappointed. Uh, I think uh, knowing what they've done during the bailouts and how many people predicted that the EU would fall apart because of this financial squeeze there in Europe and the collapse of uh, um, Cyprus and and Greece and other type of uh, banking systems, and it hasn't happened. I did say this is the crown jewel of formative stages of globalism. They will not let the EU fall apart. They'll do anything to keep this going so that globalism, which is their ultimate goal, will come about. And how uh, how is this being uh, perceived in the United Kingdom, another staunch American ally? Well, uh, the United Kingdom is fairly much in line with the American public. Their people have been placated by the media on this. All of the uh, people in power in Britain are supporting the NSA. This is a necessary evil. And besides, they're not reading. They're just collecting, and they won't read it without warrant. That's totally untrue, by the way. They have automatic software to decipher all the telephone calls. They, they get them into a format that can be sorted and, and, and compiled. So this is major spying, and it's economic spying. It's on banking spying. It's on credit card spying. They're putting, making up dossiers on everyone that are instantly available when they want to go after someone's profile. We've had uh, intelligence leaks before, and many of us have long suspected that we're being surveilled. Why is this case different? Why is the Snowden affair important? Well, the Snowden affair is important because he's got the actual documents to prove it. You know, it's just Binney's, William Binney's word against the NSA. And who was William Binney? He wasn't able to sneak any documents. He just says what he was saying. And there's two or three other whistleblowers, Russ Tice, that says they were... Uh, that he's seen the actual uh, wiretaps that they have on police and lawyers and lobbyists. Everybody who works in Washington and New York and Toronto and Ottawa, you know, has their phones tapped, and they, they're getting dirt on everyone. That's how they control these politicians. But when you ask him, where's the proof, where's the paperwork, he doesn't have it in his hand. Snowden has the paperwork in his hand. That's what makes this different. That's what makes this significant. And to what end? I mean, that's, are they ramping? Greenwald's, well, that's why Greenwald's uh, place was broken into in Brazil and his laptop was stolen. Uh, the government wanted to know what he got from Snowden. I, I wanted to ask you uh, that next, actually. What do you think uh, Mr. Greenwald's fate will be? But before we get to that, I, I, do you get a sense, though, that, that this um, surveillance is being ramped up? And uh, if so, you know, what is the end game here? 
Well, you have to remember, at least this is my geopolitical theory, it explains why the United States has been playing up to and covering for the remilitarization of both Russia and China, and that is that they ultimately want a major third world war with those two countries so that it pushes Americans and British and Europeans and Canadians into a global government. And in order to do that, you've got to create an image of the U.S. as the boy of the world. So in essence, even though the U.S. didn't want this out in this large a quantity, because they tend to want to have purposeful leaks incrementally, as happened during in 2007 with the Bush leaks of spying, and then they got Congress to pass an authorization to increase FISA court uh, power so that they could allow this. I mean, to actually come out and legally say we can allow this global spying, they just can't do. But in any case, it does work toward the globalist cause of building up the image of the U.S. as the bully of the world. And that is what Russia and China need to eventually justify striking the West. Somebody's got to stop this spying and this bully of the world. And we have handed them a great, huge advantage and excuse to take us out someday as a nation uh, because we are being the bully of the world and we're having to admit it. It's also a nice way for the intelligence or the national security state, if you will, to test the waters in terms of how far they can go with this before, uh, you know, their own citizens start to, uh, to rebel. And as you've, you said, they've totally acquiesced on this. So they've basically handed the national security agency and the, and the CIA and so forth carte blanche. They can go as far as they want, apparently. Well, that's what's disturbing to me, Richard. It's very, very disturbing that the U.S. has not had a massive outcry, that the massive demonstrations stop spying on us and demanding action. Now, sadly enough, we know from the DARPA claim 10 years ago that they were not going to implement the total awareness you know, spy system. We know now they did it anyway, and they just lied to us. And if they said we were going to stop, we couldn't believe them anyway. And you see, this is the ultimate problem that we have in America is that how do you prosecute these people if they control the surveillance machinery? How do you get court evidence on these people unless you, our people, good guys, get control and can wiretap their phones? But they've got control on that. Even if you elected a Ron Paul, he'd never be able to get the NSA to tell him the truth because they control the machinery. And the courts? And they control the courts. I mean, it's incredible how many judges are bought off and controlled and threatened so that, I mean, even like a Judge Roberts uh, claiming to be a conservative, but boy, when he, they needed a vote to pass Obamacare, he turned on them and gave them the vote. And I think they've got dirt on, uh, on uh, Supreme Court Justice Roberts. How far back does this level of uh, sophistication uh, go in terms of uh, surveillance technology? Uh, where I'm going with this is I'm thinking... If you go back to, to 9-11 and people like Condoleezza Rice saying there was no way we could have anticipated, you know, planes being flown in. If they had PRISM back then, then they would have no excuse. They would have, uh, there's no, uh, you know, plausible way for them to say that we had no foreknowledge. Obviously, uh, if they can intercept, uh, you know, everything. everything, then they would have had to have known. So how do they explain that away? Well, they explained it away by saying that we didn't have that capability, and that's why we need it. But, in fact, they did have most of that. We know that every one of the hijackers was in the FBI computers already. And that isn't because they were surveilling them. It's because they were working through CIA and other black operations in order to pull down the, the 9-11, which was a government operation from beginning to end. 
But they're using this as an excuse to say, we needed that capability, it was a great failure, and so we're now much safer because we do intercept everything. But then again, it didn't stop the Boston Marathon bombing. And they've already, we know they had the capability, fully operational by then. How do we fight back, Joel, or is it too late? I think it's too late. I hate to say this, but I believe this conspiracy of power is going so strong. They control so much. They don't have absolute control, but they have effective control over Congress, the courts, the surveillance, the CIA, the FBI, the DEA. They run drugs. They do all of this stuff. How do you stop it? I don't know of any way to stop it. So the only hope that I have is that in the war that they bring upon us, which will... You know, be a horrendous uh, thing happening to North America. Total loss of electrical power for months at a time. Not to mention destruction of military bases. I think that they'll be reforming. People will be forced to flee from major cities. I think they have regroup in areas which hopefully we can have suddenly majorities in areas of Western Canada and Western United States that will be able to fight back and say, no, we're not going to join this new world order. We know what you've done. We don't like it. But we're also spread out now in the East and other places so that we don't have a majority. People would vote against us. They want the security. They believe government. We need to have a separation. I think we need a Western Canada and a Western United States, somebody to resurrect out of this war and, and fight back against this new world order. Joel, a pretty dire warning and uh, a pretty pessimistic uh, uh, viewpoint. I'm sorry to hear there is... Uh so no upside to this or no way to fight well, back. I'm about as big as expert there is on the dark side of government, and I can tell you, the more you know, the more you realize how powerful they are. But I can only hope that God has a way for us, and prepared a way for us to have some way out of it. But I don't see it unless we survive the war, which I think you can survive if you prepare, and you prepare to resurrect the liberty movement, just like the American Revolution. You've got to fight tyranny with a revolution, but you've got to do it after we have a tremendous cataclysm. It just won't be done in the fat, dumb, and happy world that we all live in. Well, Joel, on that uh, happy note, uh, thank you so much for this, and uh, stay safe, be well, and we'll talk again soon, God willing. All right. Thank you, Richard. Always a pleasure. Joel Skousen, World Affairs Brief. And that about does it. Uh, my thanks to James Dooley sitting in for... Uh, Tim Spreen, good job, James. And of course, uh, back next week with a uh, a program and a new program for you. Nick Redfern with a brand new book on monsters and uh, a new film called Sirius. We'll talk to the uh, the uh, director and producer of that uh, film, uh, spearheaded by uh, Dr. Stephen Greer of the uh, UFO Disclosure Movement, of course. And uh, in the meantime, don't be afraid. There is nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. <laughs>